Light beer, dark money. Agree on something. Politics, culture, and the intersection of faith, freedom, and free enterprise. And now, here are your hosts, Light Beer, Chris Clements, and Dark Money, Sean Noble. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Light Beer, Dark Money. I'm Sean Noble. And I'm Chris Clements. And I'm going to sound a little weird. I've been fighting this cold oh, the last couple days. It's not COVID. No. Because I that's wish. what everybody asks you nowadays. Like, <laughs> right. Is it COVID? It would be, Have you been wearing your mask? It'd be less of a pain in the butt if it were COVID. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's just a common cold, and that really kicked my butt. No, oh, well, it's I gone mean, around our house. What a blessing! Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what what a great I thing! Guess, I guess well, I didn't know the common cold still existed. It does. You know, if you, if, if you look at the media, it's all we're all doomed. Well, I, I mean, the fascinating thing is you have all these blue states. Where the governors are now saying, oh, you know what? We're going to lift the mask mandate. <laughs> we were kidding. It was just a joke. It started with... It wasn't with, uh, that serious. I think it started with the governor of New, New Jersey. Yes. Um, he, he announced he was going to let... Who barely won. Barely won. And then you saw the governor of Connecticut, the governor of New York, um, Rhode Island, I think, and a few others. And I'm not sure where California is at the moment. But uh, well, the governor of New York uh, rescinded the indoor mask mandate, but she kept it for the students, for the kids. Oh, is that As, right? Yeah, and and we all know how effective that that's, is. That's that's totally backwards. Yeah, it's completely backwards. Whatever. And and uh, just for anyone who's newly listening to this podcast, we are we are pro vaccine, but we are anti mask. Well, that's uniformly. Work. I mean, it, all I have to do is look at. Uh, with the World Health Organization and all the countries in Europe. Yeah. I mean, kids, no kids under six have masks. Yeah. Um, and and, and they UK, don't use masks in schools. And it was reported in Daily Mail. I mean, the UK is rolling back all, almost all of their restrictions. They're done. Yeah. They've had enough. And, and, and I think it has a lot to do with the power of the people, just, just people rising up. There's protests. You know, we, we see what's going on in Canada right, right. now. And, and, the truckers, to, and heading to. to Heading to Washington D.C. Apparently, they're they're gonna go to L.A. for the Super Bowl. I've really, heard that no. the convoy is the DHS is saying, "Oh, we've got intel that the truckers are gonna go to try to disrupt the Super Bowl." Well, I, I wouldn't go blame out to them. D.C. Well, I think I, I think the frustration is you've had all these different workers who were designated essential during the pandemic, and then now they're not so essential. Whether it be healthcare workers or truckers or whomever else, now they're not so essential, and they they need to take the jab or else they're going to lose their jobs. Well, what's happening in, in healthcare? We've seen over the last month is they're calling back healthcare workers who who got fired, right, and who may or may not be vaccinated because they don't have enough people to take care of the people well, who are that. genuinely sick. If you get COVID in your healthcare worker, they say, "Oh, well." Come to work anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you can stay home for five days, maybe. But if it's just a little small pink line in your home test, right. you're right. probably okay to come in. So, so, so the goalposts have changed throughout this entire thing. And what, what people have said, what, what the experts are saying now that, oh, the science has changed. No, the science has not changed. It's just been theater. Yeah. 
with whether it be masks. The or, science on the masks has been pretty consistent for yeah. more than a year now. Um, that it, yeah. But the work. but the big outrage right now in public media is is about this guy named Joe Rogan. Joe who? Yeah, Joe Rogan. He, I, apparently, um, he has quite the following. Uh, he does. Yeah, I, that's what I've heard. Well, I mean, he does have the largest He's, podcast in the world. Yeah, eleven million people, which is still smaller than what Rush Limbaugh had. I actually at think as, I've, as well, a radio I, show. I, I don't know that we really know all the exact numbers, but I'm, I think he gets twenty million plus per month. Does he? Yeah, that's about that's that's, that's big. About ten <laughs> or twenty thousand percent more than yeah. what we have. Yeah, I think. of course, <laughs> of course. But we but appreciate everyone. the The crazy thing about this is that you know this is a guy who started a podcast on a whim yeah. years ago, um, and he's not a media figure. He's not. I mean, he was. He's, he's a, a comedian, comedian and an MMA, and a, MMA fighter, a fighter and commentator. Yeah. You know, he had a couple sitcoms back in the day. He did Fear Factor. Mm. Um, and now he's thrust into this, you know, media spotlight over guests that he's had on because they're a danger <laughs> to society. Um, and what's crazy is that, I mean, it starts with the doctors. You know, there's a doctors who wrote a letter to Spotify saying you need to remove Joe Rogan because he's dangerous on COVID. And turns out that half of the people who signed that letter weren't actually no, doctors. They were, yeah. Researchers. Some of one of them was even a, I mean, it, anyway, there's just a lot of garbage. And when they realized that that was going to have, it wasn't going to have any impact. Then there was an actual concerted effort by a left-leaning super PAC to try to piece together, like they did a video of all the times he used the N-word, mostly quoting other people, you know, to try to shame him. And Neil Young, you know, said, I'm pulling, you know, it's, it's either me or Joe Rogan on Spotify. Well, most people said, Neil who? Old man, look at my... I'm not going to sing it. And, and the, the irony with, with Neil Young and... You know, other old musicians were these were the counterculture musicians. They were the always standing up to the man. Yeah, and now they're the man. Now they're the man. Now, well, Neil Young is, and no one's called him out for it. I mean, he he sold his music, he cashed out. So th there's a question whether he even has control over that anymore. And same with Joni Mitchell. All these old aging '60s counterculture phonies. Are are selling their music? I don't know if they're phonies. I mean, they're, they're tens music. of millions of dollars. Yeah, uh, you know, selling their catalogs so they they can retire nicely and and leave a legacy for their families. I do not begrudge them that at all. At all. That's the marketplace. Uh, you know, you, you can't tour right now with, with any sort of major success. Uh, their their schedules are probably changed as they get older. If you want to do that, that's great. You've done your work. Sell your business. However, you know, Dr. Robert Malone, who started this whole thing when he went on Joe Rogan, is one of the leading experts in this field. He helped invent the mRNA vaccine. Right. I listened to that episode and I didn't hear anything that was necessarily anti-vax or anti-anything. What I listened to was a doctor who was stating some very legitimate concerns. 
right? And that's a good thing. That's called discourse. And you know who, after that episode, you know who Joe Rogan had on next? Carrot Top. <laughs> you know who he had on after that? Oliver Stone. Yeah, which was a great episode. What, so I haven't listened to that episode, but I heard it's I'm amazing. A big conspiracy and, but, buff. So. But, but that is what Joe Rogan does. That's his gift to the podcasting world. He has on everyone. Yeah. You know, oh, people agree, people don't agree. I mean, and, and the thing is, is that the thing that's been the most interesting to me is all of the write-ups in the mainstream media have been conservative podcaster Joe Rogan. Joe like, Rogan is, not a, is not a conservative. Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan endorsed Barry, uh, Bernie Sanders in, in 2019. He has everyone on. He's an admitted atheist. He had Jordan Peterson on just right after that. Right. Who's, last time I checked, is not an admitted atheist. Exactly. And actually is is, you know, quite a man of faith. Right. So he's willing to both challenge his own thinking and, and also, um, and, and, and challenge our, all of our thinking right. about things. And so if you're the least bit open-minded and, and interested and intellectually curious, it's a great podcast. Well, and it, and As people on, I'm like, who is this? Yeah. But it's always interesting. Well, and the, the, the thing is, I was thinking about it is if Joe Rogan is considered a conservative, we've won. <laughs> exactly. We have won. We have the vast majority of people that are now conservative. Yeah. If he's considered a conservative, our whole effort for, through our lifetime, we've been trying to grow the conservative movement. If Joe Rogan is one of us, man, that's, if it, if that's it's a about, huge umbrella. If it's truly about intellectual honesty and the war of ideas and, and calling out people who are complete total phonies, um, then maybe we have one because he's he's been pretty consistent on on criticizing this administration, criticizing the last administration for things that are just intellectually okay. That makes sense. I mean, he go ahead and criticize the the press secretary. No, he, criticized Trump for for contradicting he, himself. He, he was not a fan of Trump. Never. No. I don't. I don't think I ever heard him say anything positive about Trump. Now, I didn't. I haven't listened to every episode. He ever endorsed done, Bernie Sanders. Well, he a was a big, he's a big fan of Tulsi Gabbard. In fact. You'll love this. Well, Tulsi's been like a gift to conservatives. She well, actually goes on Tucker Carlson like once a week. Well, and, and and somebody put out a thing that said, oh, Joe Rogan has a huge imbalance of the conservatives versus the liberals that That's he puts on there. And But the way that they did it was that they list Tulsi Gabbard as a conservative, Which as right wing, Russell Brand as right wing. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That guy's the furthest from right wing. Um, who was the other one that was just, oh, Barry Weiss. Yeah. The former New York Times uh, columnist reporter, definitely not a, a right winger. Um, so the he's had Ben Shapiro on. That was a good episode. Oh, he's a right winger. Yeah. Well, that, there's the balance right there. <laughs> well, you have I, you the, have three three or four left wingers, and then you got Ben. Well, and ben he's had others. On. I mean, it's uh, you know the, the the point is if he is considered right wing or conservative, then man. The, the, the dynamic in this country has changed significantly, and the progressives are a much smaller group of people than much, they realize. Well, and they're much louder, which is why— well, they are loud. Which is, which is why this has garnered, I think, so much attention, is, is you know, here's somebody who's, who's having people on that, that do not um, confine to their orthodoxy with regard to COVID— 
and, and therefore needs to be canceled. And then they put together this this whole different montage of him saying the N-word, which we will not say on the show. But it was a montage of, of him either repeating what other people have said or or taking a bunch of things he said out of context. Right. And then that was the, the tipping point for him. He went online and said, okay, I'm sorry about that. Probably shouldn't have done it. But at the same time, I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing. Well, he's a comedian. And I don't think he should apologize for anything. Well, I don't, I don't think he has anything really to apologize for. Because that stuff has been out there for years and years and well, years. Well, yeah. I mean, if it were really an issue, and they would have brought it up a long time exactly. ago. They only brought it up because they couldn't cancel him over COVID. And I think the, the thing that's going to come out of COVID more so than anything else is a continued great division between government control and independent thinking. And this is where the lines are drawn. Yeah. Um, I I'm telling you, George Orwell would be flabbergasted at how right he got it. Yeah. When he wrote 1984, 60 years ago, our producer Robin is sitting over there (laughs) nodding. I mean, he has got to be, Wherever he is, looking down, saying, what in the world? How yeah. is it possible that I was that dead on? I mean, even to the point where well, it's like, even, it doesn't take government to, to, to silence people. Mainstream media can say, I mean, he wrote this 60 years ago. Yeah. And that's what they're doing. Well, I mean, George Orwell was brilliant. But when my, I mean, when, when we were young and we were reading all that, and especially 1984, because we lived through 1984, and that was the Reagan years, and we are far from that. Um, there was another book that that I we were we read in high school, and that was Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. I think we're right in there. Mm, yeah. I mean, book burning, yeah, ideas. Uh, well, and, sitting sitting in our homes watching our screens. Yeah, I mean, he predicted that completely. Well, and I think that the, our one wall, of the, we watch our wall. That's right, what, that was the, the and that's quote. what we do. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about this morning was. There is a, I mean, clearly, like I said, the COVID thing has created this great divide, but I think that conservatives need to be careful that they don't overreach because, you know, we're hearing about parents who are protesting certain things in the curriculum. Totally fine with that. Parents should be a part of the development of curriculum for their kids. Anyone who says parents shouldn't be involved in their kids' education is, misses the whole point of education. Because you have these teachers say, and administrators and union members say, oh, well, parents should not be involved in public education. That's why it's called public education. I, no, it's, it's public education because it's paid for by the public. Um, and, I wouldn't even that call it mean, public education anymore. I would call it government education because that's essentially what it's become under the pandemic. And that's why parents are so outraged. It's union education. Is what yeah. it is, not even government. Yeah. Um, so the... But I think that we have to, as people, we really got to find that space where we can have an open discourse of differences of opinion and do it in a civil way without trying to cancel each other. And that means that there's going to be some, some books that are available at the library that you may not want your kids to read. Well, then you have that conversation with your kids. You don't say to the library, you need to ban that book. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think they're clearly, you have to be careful about what books are in front of kids that are very young. Um, But that's what parents involve. I mean, the key is parents need to be 
more involved in their kids' education. And I, you know, with my first batch of kids, I was not, I was pretty involved for a while, but then I, I was very busy and I sure. didn't get as involved. And so it's a lesson. And I think that that's one of the things that you were building the Sean Novo dark money empire. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think what's happened during the pandemic with, with Zoom education and, and, you know, moving our kids to the virtual classroom is parents all of a sudden started paying attention to what was coming across the Zoom. Well, they saw for the, first, saw time. For the first time, wait a second, yeah. what are you learning in school? You're not learning that. That's not what we teach in our home. And then it began to steamroll with critical race theory and um, transgender education and, and gender dysphoria. And people began to wake up and yeah. take notice of I would what's bet, happening in the schools, in the public schools specifically. I would, I would bet that uh, parental involvement in te- parent-teacher conferences over this last year has gone up significantly. Are they having parent-teacher conferences well, in public schools? Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, I, I think they are, even if it's by Zoom. Uh, but I'll bet more parents are engaging in those. I mean, oh, there's, yeah. I know that, you know, for lots of parents, it's like, eh, kids doing all right, you know, don't really want to take the time. I think it's important as parents, we need to take the time. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, and I think there needs to be continued push on our side, on the conservative side, for choice in education, for charter schools, for parochial schools, for any any other choices that we, we can help people make. And, and education savings accounts are an important part yep. about that. Uh, the gr- growth of charter schools, you know, the biggest question that, that one of the biggest questions that exists in, in New York right now with the, um, with the election of Eric Adams is, are you going to allow more charter, charter schools to flourish? Because most of the schools there are failing, along with the society in general well, in New York. Yeah. That'll be interesting to watch. That's for sure. I think, it, you know, the, the states where there is more choice for parents are going to be the ones that uh, I think come out of this better. I mean, I think, I think education in California is we're not going to see how badly the impact was for a number of years, mm. but it's going to be very interesting to watch what – California education looks like in a few years versus other states that didn't lock their kids out of classrooms for, for two years. Yeah. Um, California is I an mean, interesting case study because it was two years. Two years. Two freaking years. Yeah. And and how many of those students can they not find now? How many have just dropped off? Well, I don't, I don't know the stat. I'd, I'd like I to think know. that, well, there was, there was something I read, this is a number of weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, that basically there's a million kids across the country that gone yeah yeah it's just it's criminal and you know amazing hopefully it's maybe it's parents who are homeschooling or whatever but you know well and and here's in arizona i mean it's not like we plan for this but but we have a very robust charter school environment in arizona well and 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 a very robust uh, parochial school environment in arizona to where when there's competition Everywhere. Well, and there's even a robust homeschool. I mean, yes, I, that, I that, that that as well that, that has grown. I don't know if I uh, I don't know if we've I've talked about this. On the we podcast, don't give enough but credit. I was, to I was homeschooled for a few years um, way back when when it was not uh, <laughs> not a when very, it wasn't cool. Not a very cool thing. As I've said to people, we went to a homeschool convention. I was about sixteen, um, maybe fifteen, and I remember looking around. And I was like, "This is the Star Wars bar of." <laughs> 
misfits. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about, I mean, it, they lived up to all of the criticism and, you know, the, the joking that went on about, whoa, homeschool kids are oh, weird. Yeah. Um, but it's clearly changed. I mean, there's a lot of tools for parents in order to do that. And I think with the pandemic, you know, a lot of kids, a lot of parents took control of their kids' education. And it's, I would guess that the numbers are going to continue to be pretty, pretty up there. I mean, I think it went from like 1% to 8% over the course of one year yeah. during the pandemic. So I don't know. With all these mask mandates coming up, I think they're coming off. The masks are coming off. The masks are the coming off. The question is, when is will great. they come off on airlines? Probably not soon enough. Um, well, there's a big, I mean, there's a big push in both traditional media and conservative media for Joe Biden to end the pandemic, to say we're, we're not in an emergency situation anymore, and, and therefore we don't need to be taking these emergency precautions anymore. So let people get back with their lives. Will he do so? No, I don't think so. There's too much to lose in terms of control. Well, however, the the chorus is growing. Yeah, the chorus is growing. I I would I would say so. What we're we're three weeks away from State of the Union. That's on March first this year. <laughs> well, they were um, hoping to have Build Back Broke done by the State of the Union, <laughs> along with another. I mean, we're digressing, but another other legislative priorities. And doesn't look like any of that's going to happen. In fact. It, there's a big question whether they'll even pass a continuing resolution, which is due next week. Oh, they'll pass it. They're, they're, the they're not going to shut down the government. It came out of the house. That's not going to happen. There's no appetite at all for a government shutdown right but now. It's, but it's extended through March, and they're hoping to yeah, have— Yeah, March 11th. Yeah, March 11th. They're hoping to have, you know— the budget my done. my prediction is that we're going to go we're going to have a continuing resolution that goes through the election um, and the Republicans yeah. are fine with that because everything's frozen on Trump yeah policy. it's all it's all Trump policies in place which yeah. is why the progressives and, are and Trump going crazy tax cuts yeah which is a beautiful thing it is yeah it is well Joe Rogan we wish you well yeah, we're, you we're, don't need our wish but <laughs> well I mean but but this is a this is a telltale sign i mean if joe rogan were to go down you know podcasters like us we're just we're growing our podcast we're really blessed to be able to have this platform but what what does that make us what when when do they start begin to come for for other people yeah they're gonna well, come, go for joe rogan I mean, who has everyone on yeah the the so with rogan I mean, he's apolitical, and he's argue. not. He's and, and really, the truth is, he's not cancelable. No, I mean, Rumble offered a hundred million dollars for him to come over to to be, the, you know, leave Spotify and go to Rumble as their. Platform. You know, with all due respect to Dave Pratt, I, I, I'd go to Rumble for bucks <laughs> for hundred million. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I mean, I think we actually what we do is we could we could still do Dave Pratt, yeah, and Rumble, and Rumble. I don't yeah. know. I'm sure we, we could work we, out some. We, kind we of should deal, go right? talk to those people. <laughs> yeah, right. But I mean, somebody was. I was listening to uh, uh, V Dogs Z Dogs uh, podcast, um, which he does with V Nap. I can't remember that. Just butchering it terribly, but yeah. they were making the point that. Rogan's influence, they think, has calmed down a little bit when he went to Spotify because so many people that were listening to him or watching him don't don't do it on Spotify. Yeah. Um, so 
I, or don't, I think or don't think about it. Yeah, because I mean, they, they use one platform right. exclusively, Apple and, or Google or whatever. And so, if, if if Spotify were to dump him, and they're not crazy enough to do that, I don't think um, he would be fine. But again, he would be fine because he's big enough to to go somewhere, and he's got a huge audience. But but that could splash down on little guys like us. Yeah, because cancel cancel culture comes for you. We're pretty controversial sometimes. We, I, or are we? You maybe think? we're not. Maybe I don't we're know. not. Maybe we need to be controversial. Maybe we need to be more controversial. You know, to get get all those Twitter clicks. Yeah, <laughs> we need to be That's more right. controversial. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Anyway, Alex well, is nodding his head. Like we, yes, oh, he's all yes. the clicks. Yeah, be more controversial. <laughs> Say crazy stuff. Okay, we so, can start cussing. No, well, I've done a yeah, little bit you, of that. You did some f bombs. I did. Say more crazy shit. Okay. <laughs> That's that should be the theme. Say more crazy shit. <laughs> Don't agree on something. <laughs> Just say crazy shit. Just say something. All um, right. Well, um, until next time. Yeah. Well, God bless Joe Rogan for standing up for the little guy for the rest of us. That's right. And uh, and and for having really obscure folks on that that challenge the status quo. I think that's a that's a good thing. Whether and you're a conservative or liberal or somewhere in between. Freaking hilarious people on it. If yeah. you if you, if you want to laugh out loud multiple times, just listen to any of the Tim Dillon episodes. Oh, you just had Tim Dillon. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, that guy's so funny. Ugh. Yeah. All right. You had Gaffigan Maybe. on the other day too. That was funny. Gaffigan. I don't know. No, it was he's funny. he doesn't he's he's funny, but he's not as funny as he used to be. He's, no, I think he's, he's not. I think he's getting old. Yeah. Well, you know, having a house full of kids in New York slammed in there. We'll do I mean, that when you it. put, what, six kids in a yeah. one-bedroom? In a one-bedroom house. That's going to drive anybody crazy. I, I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't be here, for sure. All right. Well, the comedy show will be coming back to you again. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening, everybody. God bless. Have a good one. 